good evening all back in lost in the lockdown episode six this week and we are virtually at the halfway point episodes 11 and 12 all the best cowboys have daddy issues and whatever the case may be are today's episodes they are jack and kate respectively almost like the round robin has completed we're back to square one almost so just before we go anywhere else i will hand over to scott as always for some statistics and hopefully some interesting birthdays there's a few yes um so episode uh, 11 sorry yeah aren't we yep this yep. one uh so it was because i've got it all on the same file funny enough so i've scrolled in down <laughs> sorry <laughs> so professional right. now. um yeah this one was written it's by... all fun <laughs> Written by um, Javier Grillo, Mark Schwartz, again, who uh, writ, sorry, who wrote uh, House of the Rising Sun um, earlier on the season. Directed by oh, yeah. Stephen Williams, who is one of the in-house directors. He's directed, he directed over 20, over 20 episodes, I think 26 or 25 in total, between this and season five. Um, so he wasn't okay. he wasn't on um, he wasn't on the books for season six, but he holds a, a producer credit on the show, and um, he also recently he was executive producer on Watchmen, so he's got that Lindelof collection. The connection is still there. Ah, uh, fair enough. Um, air date was December eighth, two thousand four. Uh, this had eighteen point eight million viewership in the US, which was one point seven million improvement from the previous week. So they're they're definitely starting to tick over those viewers now. They're, they're kind of midway through and they're finding their finding the audience by the looks of it. Um, birthdays. There's a yeah, couple of interesting ones. Kim Basinger, or Bassinger. I don't know how you meant to say it these days. I think it's, it's Basinger. It is Basinger. And funnily <laughs> enough, the only way I know that is because I've just seen the Simpsons episode where her and Alec Baldwin are in it hmm. and, and Homer gets it, pronounces it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a joke in... Is it The Simpsons? No, no, sorry, Family Guy. When the doctor who's doing the test on Peter says, "I don't know how to how to quite say this." Kim Bass Bassinger, Bassinger. <laughs> one of the only rare funny moments in Family Guy. Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> herself, uh, Rick Baker, who you know we know is a massively influential effects artist, uh, Terry Hatcher. Uh, famous for uh, Goldeneye, she was in. Mm-hmm. Well, world is not yeah, enough. Tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never dies. One of the buns. Yep. Um, and, and Lois Lane. Yeah, and Lois Lane. Sorry, in the yeah, Lois and Clark Superman. And the big one, we've got a twofer this week on Lost Alum. It's Boney oh. and Charlie. Both of their birthdays oh, fell on this day okay. as well. One's better than the other. <laughs> <laughs> now. Nah, I'm sure Ian Summerholder's a lovely man. <laughs> well, it's it's great because you know we get a we get a bit bit of bony in, in this week's episode and and um and in episode twelve as well. So yeah, I thought it's kind of significant enough that we can mention it. Um, yeah, that's Absolutely. the yeah that's the that's the birthdays on December eighth. Smashing. So that's perfect then because that leads into especially with Charlie. Charlie's involved quite. Uh, at a pinnacle point of uh, episode 11. Yeah. So we will go straight into it, chaps. So uh, this is Mr. Jack Shepard's hour yet again in the flashbacks. So we'll begin there, as we always do. So these flashbacks again 
we always talked about daddy issues prior to this and obviously i'm not trying to reference the title just yet but daddy issues have been a prevalent thing throughout the series thus far i think we've said that the majority of the core cast up until this point have all got father problems in some capacity uh mostly jack himself but Locke, uh even uh Sun and Jin to an extent, Claire by extension, although you don't know that just yet. So there's all these factors that are getting played into it. And this is another perfect episode alongside Christian, his dad, uh, and a perfect example of Jack's stubbornness, I guess. So the episode begins, or at least the flashbacks begin, should I say, with a woman flatlining on the table in Jack's operation. And Christian, or at least you think it's Jack's operation, should I say, and uh, his attempts to revive her, but Christian's forcing him to call the time of death. Um, and it's later revealed that it was actually his operation that Jack uh, took over for shady reasons. Liquid lunch reasons. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, I lo- I, I'll just say this now that like, I love Christian as a character. He's so flawed. And I think John Terry is amazing, not the footballer. Um, um <laughs> Just to clarify, yeah, um, to. <laughs> just to clarify everybody or anybody who's listening, I'm referring to the actor, John Terry, <laughs> who has starred in many 80s and 90s action films Yes, um, <laughs> and often dies in them. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, um, John Terry, the actor who plays Christian Shepherd, I think he's fantastic, especially as a bit part character. But he's, he's such a pinnacle aspect of this show as we've just. Dis- as we jumped way further forward a few weeks ago to mention that. But you're really starting now to get a sense of what has shaped Jack. I know in his first episode, or at least his first flashbacks, he was, you started to get an idea of why he was the man he is with his dad, um, often berating him, Essentially trying to get him to man up. up I don't like that phrase, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Essentially get him to, be like him in a way um and yeah like you say he's got the liquid lunch now i don't think that that's very good for a surgeon but he's got a problem hasn't he <laughs> yeah as we see from the um the sydney flashback when jack goes to find him and we find his empty bowl so we already have that kind of knowledge that he uh either had an issue at the time of his death or uh he had like an ongoing sort of alcoholism sort of problem going on is that the um the little bit where the the, the hotelier says oh look at his draw <laughs> that we yeah had, we had a yeah, joke about yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard liquor yeah he's, he's, yeah go on go home he's just yeah it's that's a party but i think the revelation though that it's actually christian's operation i mean when he calls the time of death there's no remorse for that fact but when you when you when you know that that's his operation and that obviously jack's tried to come in and save this woman's life and it's obviously revealed a bit later on that christian unknowing well he didn't mean to obviously but under the influence of alcohol he's he's killed this woman Mm -hmm. Uh, and we start getting into a bit of (laughs) procedural drama i guess because he he convinces jack to Admit this from the report, uh, because Christian will lose his medical license. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Jack agrees to this, but you can tell that that's not his way his way of thought. But again, it's like we said in the first uh, first Jack episode. At least I believe we said this. Where as much as he doesn't agree with his dad, he's always 
trying to please him. He's all, he just wants to be loved almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's, he's sort of um, in the scene where Jack goes into his office, you know, where where he wants him to sign the sign off on the, yeah. the details and everything. He sort of, I mean, I guess he kind of gaslights him into into signing. I guess you know, it's like this isn't just my career. You know, this is my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it is. It is blackmail of a sort. You know, it, it, Jack obviously doesn't want to disappoint his dad, um, but at the same time, he's he's got that uh, sort of strong moral center to him. Um, mm-hmm. Where whereas Christian, maybe from years of doing the job he does again, I I don't know if we find out, but you know he. He's lost that. It's become maybe a day job to him, whereas Jack has the, you know, I must I must be virtuous and good for for every single thing, whereas Christian, not so much. It's probably clear that Christian's apparent alcoholism has kind of um, mm. uh, hampered his, his, um, his moral view, maybe, his yeah. moral compass, whereas yeah. Jack is, still has that moral centre, as you, as you say. The... Mm-hmm. But there is that, like you've also said, there is definitely that, that definitely potential gaslighting there's definitely that pressure that he's 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 guilt tripping him almost he's trying to oh yeah he's definitely putting that he's got that influence over him basically Mm -hmm. it's that i i I, not to say i can relate but i know from my 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 uh past with my my dad you know i've not seen him for quite a long time but this episode i I distinctly remember that when this first aired for weird reasons at the time it definitely resonated with me um purely because of the way Christian behaves with Jack. And it's not to say that like my, my dad had like a hold over me in a way, but there was definitely that just a few choice words here and there, quite a, an impressionable age. I'm not saying Jack is an impressionable age, but he's still got that. He just wants to be loved and he'll do anything to get there. He'll do anything to try and get that respect and appreciation that he thinks his dad doesn't have for him. So it definitely it's definitely a resonating episode. It's one of my favourites. Does he does he any time use the word like son to try and because when it's when people sparingly use the word son when they're talking to like um, you know their children when they're just going by their first name and then when they start randomly using the word son it's normally for dramatic effect to kind of imply that they're they're trying to be as, a bit more emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. To get them on their side, I, I'm not sure if Christian does that because I know in like the because uh, we're jumping way ahead in the finale, Christian is very, very fatherly in that last scene between him and Jack in the church, definitely. And it's kind of like a complete 180 of how he is here. So I'm not sure if he actually uses that language to any kind of effect to, to get Jack on side a bit more easily. That might have been something that I've just picked up on. No, I definitely think you're right. Um, more language, he's very. Yeah, he's very um, he's very cold. Is the best way I can exp- I I could put it. I was going to say standoffish, but he's just very cold. And like you say, it could be to do with his his descent into alcoholism because he seems like that with everyone. He's just got he's very flat, a very flat tone to his voice. He doesn't really seem to care that if for one reason or another he's accidentally killed this woman, and you know, Jack's heart's breaking. You know, one because he couldn't save this woman which as we know that's his big thing he's he's the superhero of the series he's he's action man almost he's the doctor that will save go to absolute lengths to save as many people as possible and he won't accept 
no for an answer. Yeah. And so with that, with that in, sorry, go on, Scott. I, I, sorry, I was just going to say, Christian also says to Jack when, when you know when Jack kind of um, says to him like you know like you you, you severed her artery, you know you killed her. And he's like, oh well, you know accidents happen. So you, just from that line, as a doctor, as a surgeon, by saying that oh, accidents happen, it, you've clearly yeah. just lost lost all kind of um, sense of of your duty in that position. So. And I just want to give another shout out to Mr. Matthew Fox, as always, because I think I think going through this entire run that we'll do, I will every chance I get, I'll shout the <laughs> that lovely man's name out. But I'll just say I love that moment where he just kind of goes, how many drinks did you have at lunch, Dad? And you're just like, oh, <laughs> just, I just think the way he delivers that line is fantastic. He's Yeah, he's very. Yeah. Um, um, what's the word? Uh, aware, he's very aware. He can read people very well, and he can sense things quite quite easily. He does it with Kate as well. In in the next episode, he senses possibly <laughs> she's talking, she's talking shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> he's he's great in this episode again. See, that's it. I think it's a consi- mostly a consistent thing with Jack. His episodes, off the top of my head, there's very rarely a bad Jack episode. I'll be honest. His flashbacks are my are my favourites. Without to, a doubt, next, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, yes. I, I really enjoy his backstory, which I guess is kind of the point because they, are, I guess, as the series progresses, they are the two focal uh, points of the show almost. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so anyway, we'll just move on a little bit. So Christian's got Jack to try and cover up. Well, he has got him to cover up. He convinces him to cover up the details of the surgery, removing the fact that he was inebriated uh, and accidentally killed this poor woman. And then we get that wonderful almost courtroom scene. Um, again, that pre- aspect of procedural drama. But there's a there's a lovely actually sorry there's a lovely little moment before where Jack, I believe, is walking down the corridor in the hospital. And there's a uh, man in the distance talking with Christian, who's clearly upset and angry at the same time. And Jack says to the nurse, who's that? And he says, oh, that's the husband of the lady. So there's obvious, there's, um, I'm trying to think of the word here. There's obviously some intention there. You know, it's not, it's not a happy conversation, mm. which then leads to obviously Christian uh, being sued or the hospital anyway is getting sued. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there was, yeah. I thought, sorry, I thought, sorry, go on. No, it's just in that scene um, where Christian is talking to the, the, the husband or the, the boyfriend or whatever, um, it focuses in on him, hold, unless I miss something, it focuses in on um, Christian like putting his hand on the man's shoulder, which is something and that, that he did to Jack just in the scene before. Um, yes. And it just yes. it just sort of made me think, you know, like this this means nothing. You know, it's it's a... An empty gesture, you know, it's like I'm, I'm comforting you, but I don't really care, which I think is what yeah. leads Jack to do what he does, obviously. Yes, absolutely. That's a good point. And and also, I guess that'll feed into Jack's uh, feelings of of the anger towards his dad, because mm-hmm. ultimately he's no different to that man. You know, this yeah. is his son. I'm his son. That's my dad. But he's, he's giving the same empty gestures, the same empty promises to you know the common man on the street and yeah. i'm and i'm i'm just that person i'm nothing to him so christian's downfall is really interesting i think it's a really interesting character arc but like we say we get to 
almost the courtroom scene in the board meeting discussing what went wrong in the operation and you can see the pain on Jack's face that he just he cannot stand what he's having to say listening to his dad who I must say is very convincing but that's just kind of the natural charisma I think John Terry has. Um, He's probably done it many times before. Yeah, I was just about to say in my notes, I've got it where it gives the impression that he's done this. This isn't his first rodeo almost. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Which also kind of worried me slightly because I just think after a certain amount of time, surely the hospital had... (laughs) Find a body. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just an accident. (laughs) Let's just check the reports. Christian Shepherd, there's twenty people downstairs. <laughs> and you just but you get the impression this ain't his first rodeo, whether it's him that's the cause or he, he's assisting, you know, these kind of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh but then obviously you get the dramatic reveal that unfortunately the dead lady was pregnant mm-hmm. and clearly Christian knew that. So you get that immediate backstabbing vibe and I guess it feeds into the gaslighting as well that we've already mentioned he will go to any lengths with a family member such as Jack or you know they're just the every man on the ro- on the street like the husband just to get out of something almost yeah yeah definitely when Jack hears Christian drop the bombshell that the, the lady was pregnant I kind of you know you know the scene in Jaws where um Roy Scheider's kind of on the beach and there does that, that classic zoom shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of felt it could it could have it could have used to sound like like a big dramatic shot because his face was just like he was a, cl- a classic vertigo shot. Yeah, he just <laughs> looked absolutely fucking pissed. <laughs> it was so good. But again, again, don't you think? Uh, sorry, Matthew Fox here again. But don't you think he sells both the betrayal? The anger and the sadness all at once. It's just like he's literally yeah. Yeah. had a ton yeah. of bricks thrown at him. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 and... really very good because like Lost, I've noticed it, and like Lost is a show that deals in very very extreme close ups. You know, um, like yes, definitely. It, <laughs> the whole screen is just somebody's face a lot of the time, um, and yeah, as you say, it's just the whole thing is just etched on Jack's face. There, it's it's very very good acting. It's just the look of pain again. Yeah. I just want to give him a hug, yeah. almost. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate betrayal, and I don't blame him at all. You can tell it pains him even then, after it, even in that split second where he's been told. Yeah, it clearly pains him to sit forward and say, "I want to recant my statement and change it." Mm. And even then, even then, when he's doing it and explaining it, Christian's like, "Don't do this," <laughs> which yeah. obviously throw, clearly throws himself under the bus because he's obviously knows what Jack's doing and everyone around them must think, hang on a minute. Well, <laughs> What's he thing. telling him not to do? His his um his judgment has definitely been impaired both in, in terms of his um profession but also in his um personal life and his mental state because really if he knew if he obviously knew that the woman was pregnant, he should have really said that to Jack. He should have known yeah. about that because mm. um if he, because that that would have been really the one thing that would have, would have tipped the scales, I reckon. So he should have really yeah. told Jack. So you know she was pregnant, but you know nothing can do. He should have mentioned that to him in the conversation in his office instead of yeah. leaving it. <laughs> so I think he's well. I guess you got you got to think of it this way. You know, Jack can't stand to lose a life, and he's lost two in one. Mm. Almost, and that that's obviously but that's the, the last straw. 
but the committee would have brought it up anyway. This that's the thing. I'm not sure. Oh, you know, it might, it might just oh, be a writing issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's definitely going to get brought up at the hearing, but for yeah. Christian not yeah. to say it about beforehand, this I don't know. Maybe a, a, a hole there, a plot in, in the writing. I think I, I I know exactly what you mean, but sometimes when the the drama is so uh, so well acted, sometimes I mean I must admit I didn't think of that. Because I was just like, whoa! <laughs> it only just occurred to me, but it, it yeah, we'll give it a pass cause just for the sake of drama. Yeah, definitely. But it, just, it literally just occurred to me. I was thinking, well, why did he say maybe, that? Maybe we should, uh, alongside Shannon, watch. Maybe we should have like a plot hole watch because <laughs> it will get that far. As much as I love this show, we <laughs> yeah, will get oh, to yeah. that point. We will get to that point, but just to see whether we will let it slide <laughs> or will we have to comment on it. And I think in this case, you can let this one slightly ride it right out um so those are really the flashbacks in this episode obviously the the ultimate judgment leads to christian's um removal from his his position his 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 state of power um and obviously is what i guess is the precursor to sending him on his bender in australia which obviously Mm -hmm. leads jack to chase him and gets him on the island so there's a lovely bit of I guess it's the domino effect almost, or putting the chess pieces in place to make everything come together. Which then moves us, unless someone else has something to say about the flashbacks. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I, I, just the only other thing I, I just thought of there now, um, I don't know how the episodes have been structured, you know, which ones were filmed when, but I thought it was quite interesting that um, these past two episodes have both, their their like final flashback has both ended with one character refusing to do something in like a, a legal setting. Um, I just thought that I, that doesn't mean anything. I just thought it was quite interesting. You know, you had Claire last week uh, not signing the mm. adoption papers, and then you had Jack this week refusing yeah. to uh, sign off on on the surgery report. I guess um, again, I don't think it means anything. I just thought it was quite interesting. Maybe there was like a a reshuffle because it seems strange that they would do that two episodes in a row. But um, I must admit, I think they they did that. We didn't we didn't discuss it because I, I think it was a minor note and I think I read about it a bit later on. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely in the earlier weeks, I think like episode four was shot after episode five. But you know, in the order that it was aired, it wasn't you know yeah. it, it suited it better to put walkabout before mm-hmm. episode five, which I forgot the name of unfortunately. But do you know what I mean? So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they did, because especially we're getting into the part point now where. I, with last week and solitary, we're definitely well into the mythology, or at least we're starting the mythology. And this episode definitely only continues to serve that mythology mm-hmm. and keep the mysteries up. So, with that in mind, we'll go to the island where I've got in my notes, having researched this, it's day 16. So, just over two weeks on the island. And we are back at the caves learning from Hurley that one survivor is not on the manifest and that is mr ethan rom he's not on the manifest and charlie and claire are missing so birthday boy dominic is missing and so is claire so i just so what happened at the end of last week so ethan just turns up and then we don't see what happens to him do we we just get the no he, the ethan turns up with the uh the creepy look on his face that's it it's kind of eyes, that, yeah. yeah it's that it's that two-way split where the revelation in the cave occurs at the same time as mm. yeah him finding um Charlie and Claire, because she was in like not fake labor, but you know what I mean. Um, mm. yeah. She was having contractions. Yeah. So. And uh, the, like they have 
Uh, Hurley comes back and tells him about Ethan, and then Jack and Locke run into the jungle and they find it's like Claire's. I don't know. Uh, Claire's oh, jacket. They find, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. They find Claire's bag, and then they're like, "Oh, they must have. They must be taken." <laughs> and that prompts a classic line, which uh, as you keep watching the series, you know, in the uh, previously on Lost, the the segment of Locke saying, "I think they've been taken." occurs for like the next eight episodes it's ridiculous <laughs> i've heard i've heard that line so many times when i was doing the rewatch and you'll know what i mean okay. um because they keep trying to refer to the others so the only way to do it is by putting that line in the previously on bit. <laughs> always made me laugh but yeah so after a bit of an absence uh mr Locke is quite um heavily featured in this episode alongside jack now mm. They've got the three distinct footprints, which always, to me, prompts the fact of how they, they give Ethan that otherworldly um, vibe, I guess. We're still early on in the series. We don't know who these others are, other than that they've always been there. And the fact that he can somehow seemingly carry two people, one of whom is pregnant, hmm. and I think it's touched upon yeah. in the episode itself, so it's not technically a plot hole, but... Um, Always at the time, especially when I was watching it, and even now, it, it's quite scary. The thought of it. Yeah. Who is this man? Who? Can, what can he do? I think they say. Uh, I think Locke says um, when they're when they're trying to track him, they say, "Oh, look, there's drag marks." And then they say, "Well, how the how the fuck can like one man, like a fairly average sized man, drag hmm. two people?" <laughs> and I, it's yeah, because he he learnt he learnt from his cousin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Tom Cruise could easily do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do it all himself. No stuntman involved. <laughs> no. Forget any like ropes or all like that. He ah, just does it. Does it for real. I'll drag him for real. It's fine. <laughs> I'll jump off a off a cliff. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and and you get the also the two the personality clashes again between Jack and Locke, which obviously is a long running storyline. But John Locke is very. Uh, he wants. Correct me if I'm wrong here. He wants to go back to the cave, take a breath, mm-hmm. figure out the next move. Whereas Jack's like, right, I'm going for it. And he just charge, charges into the forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was quite yeah. funny. Like, Locke, Locke's fairly, um, very passive aggressive towards Jack in these, these bits. He is. Uh, especially he is. when they catch up to him again. It's like, he's like, oh, it's a good job you were going in circles. Otherwise, we'd never find you. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a sassy comment, isn't it? Because it's like, Locke could walk at a snail's pace and Jack would <laughs> sprint and he'd still catch up with him yeah. because he's just running in circles. <laughs> when it happened in the episode where Jack chased off the Christian to the cliff, like he he runs all through the forest, <laughs> runs down the cliff or falls down the cliff, and then two seconds after, Locke's there, he's like, hello. How did you get there so quick? <laughs> just as a shortcut already. Because he, he's fucking John Locke, mate. He does what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell what I can't um, do, you know. <laughs> Yeah, don't tell him what he can't do. He's the Flash. <laughs> you know, he can do anything. Um, so, yeah, Locke decides to gather like a hunting party, but Jack obviously sprints off on his own. Uh, and this is where we get a three-man team of Locke, Kate, and Booney mm-hmm. uh, to help, well, find Jack now as well. He's buggered off. <laughs> In addition to Ethan, Charlie, and Claire. <laughs> And they find one of Charlie's knuckle bandages. I've got written down. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They find one of his knuckle bandages that he's—it's almost like the breadcrumbs leaving the trail. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but they find two separate trails and they do the Scooby-Doo thing of splitting up and looking for clues. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all i could write down it's, it's basically it, I, what it is yeah it's basically scooby-doo isn't it it's like there's only one way to take this storyline forward let's split up and look for clues <laughs> so lock and boone go off in one direction and jack and kate go the other which i guess in the grand scheme of things was always going to happen obviously jack and kate have the will they won't the aspect to mm. them but they they are good characters together on the island and Boone has shown that he wants he's basically Locke's protege, so yeah. it makes sense from a story perspective to put two and two together like that and split them off. Yeah, there's a there's a nice moment there um where Locke, up until now Locke has been the one that, that notices all the tracks and then there's a point where Kate starts to say something and obviously we know we know Kate's backstory, but Boone and Locke obviously don't. And there's just a wee moment where Locke's like, huh. You know, it's it's just the the brain's always taken over. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Does doesn't he say something along the lines of, "Oh, there's more to you than meets the eye," or I, something along yeah, those something lines? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thought that was a nice wee wee. No, I I completely agree, and and that's a good point actually. Is that it's easy to forget that we we know more than the actual characters now because obviously of how the nature of the show and how it's it's uh, it's structured. Yeah. But it's very easy to forget that Locke doesn't know about Kate yeah. still at this point. Like it, so yeah. those little those little moments are like almost Easter eggs to the <laughs> the audience. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like I think we mentioned last week or maybe the week before. I can't remember. But it's like whenever um, Charlie says to Michael, "It's like you didn't hear about the polar bear." It's like you didn't hear that Kate's a fugitive. That sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, no, it was nice. And then obviously with this, you have the start of um, Boone and Locke, um, which goes on for the next couple episodes. I just thought it was quite nice to 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 see how how early that started because I didn't. I'm fairly certain we're still a, a good bit away from uh, Boone's fate, um, so I, th- I didn't remember it taking as many episodes as this. No, I I agree. I um, I I always forget myself. I know I've I've rewatched this a number of times over the years, but and it's like I was saying to you earlier, John, about kind of like The Simpsons and what re- <laughs> a bit of a weird analogy, but rewatching episodes and realizing that certain ones were way earlier than I thought they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, well, I'll just briefly touch on it now, but I didn't realize the hatch was this early in the season, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, and also how long that storyline goes on for in season one. Mm-hmm. You know, this is episode 11. It starts here and it's effectively the rest of the season. It's 12 episodes easily. Yeah. So, so I thought it was just like two that dealt with the hatch, like right towards <laughs> the end. They find it, they can't <laughs> yeah. get in, and then they get in, like the one after the next episode. But yeah. It's not, it's like well, the whole season. You, you, you always remember, like, the shot of them blowing the hatch and looking down and it ending, fading to black. Yeah. And you always remember them with the dynamite. But it's that, it's that build up, that follow up, and. You know, there's a there's a lot to do with it. Yeah, I guess like like <laughs> that's, if it's just... sorry, go on, sorry, ahead. go on, John. Oh, no, I was just going to no, say, you go. You go. I was just going to say, um, I think it, it works really well. You know, to, to have it spaced out, and, and because you have so many characters, like we, we said, you know, Locke has been kind of missing for a couple episodes, but there's so many yeah. characters you don't really mind, and it doesn't it doesn't matter so much because you're getting you know so much of of say Charlie and Claire that you forget about Locke, and you're getting then. A hurry episode. Every episode checks in with everybody, more or less. So you don't really mind that it takes so long 
safe or something like the nice. hatch to to reach its, its conclusion because there's so many other interesting things happening with the rest of the was it 16 people cast something like that uh, roughly yeah. yeah i think again that's the te- that's the testament to the writers as well because mm. ultimately up until this point well s- s- say solitary you've had the the full mythology starts to rear its head but up until that point you've had these odd mysteries of which you have been keeping count of john <laughs> and um and really it's the characters that you paid attention to mm-hmm. uh they're the ones that you give a crap about obviously that's the whole point mm-hmm. and everything that's happening around them is just kind of like in your peripheral vision but it's got to be interesting too yeah so when you get to something like this it's it's that it's that synergy i keep saying synergy in these podcasts but it's that synergy of okay these characters are really awesome and now we've got all this wacky shit going off. <laughs> this this surely can only get better, of which it does in mm-hmm. this early instance anyway. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It, it it gives it 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 gives the confidence in the audience that you can drop a character like Locke for three episodes almost, and not worry that when he comes back, he's going to be any any less than he was before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, He's, he's he's been so perfectly introduced in Walkabout that they have the confidence to say he's just going to appear occasionally, you know, cutting the ball, talking about a moth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Th- those little moments, and it's perfect. It's perfect. So where were we? Oh, yeah, so the knuckle bandages. They've done the Scooby-Doo. They split up. And I've got it written down here that it's Jack and Kate who are following the correct trail because they keep finding more of... Uh, Charlie's bandages, mm-hmm. and then the pathetic fallacy comes in. It starts raining. <laughs> I'm bringing in a bit of my English language degree there. It starts <laughs> raining, pathetic fallacy, and Jack believes he hears Claire screaming in the distance, and Jack in his usual Jack way he runs after it, and he falls down an embankment, <laughs> and he finds Tom Cruise's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, what I saw, he... like, there's no way he was going to get up that embankment, because it was like it's not vertical in terms of its angle. There's no way he's going to up it. But, <laughs> one and... thing I will say, not necessarily a criticism of the show, but it's one of those, like, you look back and you think, you could have probably done that better, but the way some of these early episodes are edited are really funny in terms of geography. I know I've said about geography in the show, but especially when they fall down things, because <laughs> one the shot before, they could be walking on absolute flat ground with no indication of a dip anywhere. <laughs> and and then the next shot, it's like Hot Rod where they're falling down the cliff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And all I could, th- honestly, I'm rewatching this, all I could think was Hot Rod. <laughs> because it starts raining, he runs, it looks flat, there's no indication he's going to go anywhere other than straight forward, and then next shot, he's rolling down the embankment. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have a giggle at these things. But as this going back to episode um, where Jack falls off the cliff, he pretty much does that same thing. He like just rolls down the hill for ages, like um, yeah, <laughs> like in hot rods. I think that's your favourite bit, Scott, isn't it? Because you've referenced that more than any, any part of <laughs> like, any episode so everything far. Everything crammed into one. It's mythology. It's, it's flashbacks. It's character <laughs> development. It's all rolled into one scene. Lock appearing <laughs> from nowhere. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a great scene. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But yeah, this again, it lends this this little sequence after falling down. Obviously, yeah, let, Ethan's clearly at this point stronger um, physically, anyway, than uh, Jack, which lends into the potential 
I guess at the time when I was first watching this and feel free to disagree, but that supernatural element that it seems to be indicating, you still don't know about who these people are. Mm. Yeah. And he, he clearly overpowers Jack. I think he start, he's got his foot on his chest and he's warning him that he'll kill one of the cap, uh, either Charlie or Claire, if he doesn't stop following them. And then there's a bit of a fist fight, mm-hmm. but he could easily wins. But do we actually um, know if that was real? Because Kate says she didn't see him, and Jack's like, oh, no, he attacked me. He punched me in the face. And Kate's like, no, he just fell over. You hit your head. But do we know if he was uh, in Jack's head, or Ethan's just super, super clever? I think it's meant to imply that Ethan is a bit clever, and he's... But that's a good point, actually. But Kate, Kate, And also, Kate doesn't hear what we perceive to be Claire screaming, but the audience yeah. hears it. And then we see Ethan as well, so... And I must admit, isn't isn't there a line somewhere where they say that at the start of the episode, Jack's not been sleeping? Or have I gone, or was that earlier on in the series? I think he does mention, oh, does he? Oh, now you say it, I think that he does mention it. He's because because the, cause he's, when he sprints off and Kate's like, you need to stop. Yeah. Because you, you're knackered. You need to stop. You need to go back or something. We'll, we'll resume this later. And he's like, no. I'm Jack. I need to keep going. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. You could read into it both ways. It could be literal or a bit of a figment of his imagination, I guess. Maybe a bit of his guilt for, in his own way, feeling that he's got to protect everyone and he didn't. So The fact that either, either option, either explanation would be perfectly acceptable, I think just is fine <laughs> anyway. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. says a lot yep. about the show. So. So it's it's like still not a plot hole. So that's like three nil in this episode <laughs> in favor of it not being a plot hole. That's fine by me. That's fine by me. Well done. Is it Javier? Javier, who wrote the episode? Mister Javier. Yes. Javier well Marks. Good yeah. writing. Yeah, good writing. But he does that thing where he regains consciousness. So yeah, I guess him tumbling down the cliff could have hit his head. Could have dreamt it quite easily. Uh, regains consciousness and he decides to continue on and. Here's the pinnacle point for birthday boy Dominic and a very heartbreaking image of Charlie being hung from a tree. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's, I mean, it's pretty grim. I think I think we mentioned it before when we first started that this is especially for network TV at the time that it can sometimes go quite far. I think we discussed like the blood spatter in the pilot when the um, mm. when the pilot gets eaten yeah. um, by the monster by Smokey. You wouldn't really get that now. I mean, Hannibal's an exception, obviously, but <laughs> there's the, there's, there's, they go quite far in these things. And even though there's no blood or anything, it's a very disturbing image. Yeah, and oh. and, and the like, the, they they cut him down, obviously, and then uh, Jack starts his his CPR, his his TV CPR. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but like like it goes on for a long time. And again, I'm going to mention the 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 score uh, because. Like it really makes you believe that Charlie has died. Yeah. Like the music even cuts out, and you think, "Oh, we're going to go to like it's it's scene. an act break." Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Jack's like, "Nope, I'm just going to keep going." Um, I just like to say as well, I've got a few friends who trained to be doctors and whatnot in the past, and have subsequently gone on to that. But I know for a fact that the way the way he's hitting Don Monaghan's chest, he's cracking ribs. Yeah, like, I've got written down here. He's it's like, cracking ribs. I've written down here. He literally punches Charlie back to life. I put that as well. He beats him up back to life. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure as well. Even some of the sound effects sound quite crunchy. Oh yeah, yeah. You do. You hear yeah. some like you hear some like you know 
bones to start being like yeah. crunched and thumped and yeah. Maybe maybe I they, think, they I messed up think... the audio between uh, Jack's fight with Ethan <laughs> and Jack's CPR. <laughs> Just reuse. I don't it. think I don't. I don't think the problem there is the fact that Charlie's heart stopped. It's the fact that Jack's given him twelve crap ribs or whatever. Caves him in, yeah. <laughs> That's not his problem. He's got to take him back to the cave and recuperate from that. Bloody, bloody gel, Jack. I, I, I just hurt. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, just it's just another stupid observation. They say, yeah, Charlie hasn't spoken. It's like, yeah, no wonder he's not spoken. He's got twelve crack ribs. <laughs> like a broken larynx. <laughs> Why are you talking, Jack? <laughs> but it, I completely agree with what you're saying. That it would have been a big thing as well at that point to kill, you know, arguably one of the biggest stars of the show, mm. um, or at least a well-known actor yeah. within the show. That early on, uh, it's completely believable. Even though I've wa- watched it many a time, you still get that sense that that's that's the sign of a good scene. The way it's especially with the music, the way it's done, you can watch it time and time again and still think, oh shit, this is going to go yeah, sideways. Yeah. And there's, there's some really good, um, um, uh, like one of the things I feel, again, not an actor, but one of the, the things I, I, I would imagine is hardest to do on camera uh, is either cry or laugh. Um, and Kate does, uh, yeah. uh, Evangeline Lilly does some really, really good cry acting here. And it, like, yeah, it sells that scene really, really well. I, she does. I, I put that as a note. I put uh, Kate's crime was very convincing. Almost set me <laughs> off. I hate seeing Kate cry. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise something here. So again, might be a plot hole. I don't know. It's nope. just that it's just for the purposes. But they 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 happen upon Charlie. But how long has he been hanging? Mm. I don't know. Well, it could be is the question. Could be half a day, I guess, because they go after him straight away, don't they? They don't really rest. But all I'm thinking is, like, if he's been hanging that long, how long has he been dead? <laughs> well, he had, a, he had a bit of colour in his cheeks. That's his eye. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Because other than that, Ethan's just peering behind a tree going, <laughs> the, you know, like, it's proper Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, just, yeah. He's, he's literally just tied him up. He's run behind a tree. He's like, oh, shit, they are that close. I better run away. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'll let it slide again. 4-0 in favour of not a plot hole. <laughs> it's, I'll let it slide because of the drama and the emotion behind it all. And like you say, Evangelina Lilly, whether Kate's a good enough character in my eyes or not, she's she's lovely. <laughs> so <laughs> um, Jack doesn't give up and he brings Charlie back to life, which I guess as uh, neatly fits in with his flashbacks with his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this instance, he couldn't save the pregnant lady, but in this instance, he manages to defy all objection. And I guess Kate is almost the Christian in this in this scenario. She's like, he's gone. There's no there's no way you can do it. There's that parallel. But he does bring him back to life by cracking all his ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say, uh, um, go on, Scott. Just based on Kate's reaction, which we you know we agree is a very good performance by Evangeline Lilly, but Kate. Maybe she just has one kind of um, extreme of crying, like she doesn't have like a scale, because she was really, really, she really turned it on, and she's only known this guy for two weeks. I'm like, would you really mm. cry that much for someone you know, <laughs> like barely for two weeks? Maybe yeah. if it was Jack, it's the bass yeah. player in Drive Shaft, Scott. Of course. <laughs> Do you think it might be because of how Jack was reacting, and she was crying more for Jack and his kind of. Um, 
torment in not being able to save him. She was worried about him more than Chai. Mm. Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite yeah. possibly. That would sure feed nicely into the character development, for sure. Yeah. If you're, I'm going to watch her crying now more often, and I'm going to judge it. <laughs> I must admit, she never she never goes like it's kind of like straight down the middle. She's never like, to my mind anyway, wallowing. You know, like she's in in con inconsolable. You know, she can't talk. She can always talk, but she's never quite. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's that it's that crying right down the middle where there's a bit of emotion. And it's almost like the perfect amount. <laughs> yeah, she just finds that that balance, and there's no yeah, yeah there's no sobbing or just subtlety. It's just yeah. like, yep, yeah, straight here, that's it. Because you can you can <clears throat> you can have a tear in your eye and still talk, but like like John's pointed out, it must be one of the hardest things to do on camera because you can How do you gauge it? Mm. Unless you're actually sad, <laughs> how do you actually gauge it? Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, they obviously have to use they they do they like use some kind of eye drops to to kind of form the the to kind of um I don't know, agitate the tear ducts to cr- I don't know. I don't know what the science is behind it, mm. but they must have actual coaches that train your voice, maybe. I don't know, yeah. to kind of sound mm. more convincing. I know I, I just whilst I'm thinking about it, there was an interview with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and I know I'm getting off the subject here. She was promoting Jurassic World. But some I can't remember who was interviewing her. It might have been Conan O'Brien, but they were basically he basically said, "I hear that you can cry on cue. Can you do it for us now?" And she actually did it, and she is amazing at it. <laughs> and I just she literally just kind of sat, sits, looks at him, and you know when your eyes kind of squint when you are crying or someone cries, you can't, your eyes kind of squint a little bit. Mm. She does that a little bit, and then she's full on crying, but she, then she just starts talking to him like normal. So she's not <laughs> upset, but she can do it. And I just think that's that's genius right there. How'd you do that? Well, well I'm sure I'm sure John can can provide testimony to this, but uh, kids can do this easily. <laughs> just cry to stop yeah. stop whenever they want. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's it's a, it's a skill. Um, it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think I remember. Um, again, it's not really that lost, but I think I remember. Um, it was a Kevin Smith interview, and it was about chasing Amy, as far as I remember. Um, where he said that he, he told, yeah, he told um, Ben Affleck to just like he would need to cry in the next scene. I can't remember which scene it is in in the film, but he said like he just went he just went off by himself for a couple of minutes and then just came back and said, like, right, let's go. I'll be able to do this. There must be just maybe there's like some some trigger that you, they would have. You know, you remember some something horrible or, or emotional in your life, and you just I think you just draw up on that's that. the obvious thing, isn't it? Yeah. You got to think of like the saddest moment in your life. Yeah. But it'll probably be something ironic and not that. It'll be like a happy moment. And mm. yeah, you, you you instantly associate crying with sadness, but that's probably not the case. Mm. But no, it's really good. She's yeah. just very good in that scene. Um, and again, it, as I say, it, she sells, is very good in that scene. it sells that Charlie is dead. Completely. And the score and like well. you say, so good in that scene. Yeah. And I, I, oh, John yeah. said that when, when they cut it, they edited it out. And I was like, this is really clever. It could afford me. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I, sorry. Just on that as well. Uh, I was on uh, Spotify. I was like listening to the the last soundtracks, and um, so the the composer Michael Giacchino. Uh, you probably already yeah. know this, but um, you know he all his uh, track listings are, are like puns. Um, so the one for this one, and it's it's probably not in the best taste, but it's called Charlie Hangs Around. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
brilliant. And again, I was just listening. I know it's to not it. in good taste, but I do like that. I was listening to it earlier, and it's just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be listening to all these scores now. Um, they're very, very yeah, good. I recommend, yeah, I recommend going back and listening to the the scores just just in isolation because they're really, really great. Just whilst we're on that point as well, I found um, Mondo uh, last year released um, a lost. Uh, soundtrack on vinyl it's a three three disc vinyl oh, it's called we this. have to we have to go back and it's michael what's his surname michael giacchino i can never pronounce it giacchino did a live concert in dublin mm-hmm. and i think he played 18 of the tracks across the soundtrack mm-hmm. across one to, seasons one to six and i will be buying it <laughs> <laughs> so we're back at the caves Finally, after Charlie's been saved, uh, Claire has finally disappeared. Um, and Charlie's referring to they only wanting Claire all along. So we're once again, you get in the um, the others finally fully featured, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just really a little neat reference. It's that thing that we've always said where they've um, they have to end it on a bit of a twist during these early episodes especially but i think the biggest one would be um the first inclusion of the hatch so jake uh, jake jake what am i on about jack and kate <laughs> jack and kate split off into a group didn't they but so did uh, boone and Locke. Mm-hmm. uh they're they're still out there at nightfall um and Locke conveniently chucks his torch to boone who accidentally misplaces it and it hits some metal Mm-hmm. And we forget our first sight of the hatch, which I I think I said previously, I can't believe how early it was in the series. I couldn't remember it being this early on that it got introduced. Yeah, because the, the, pretty much the, the next 10 episodes, or sorry, or more than 10 episodes are all pretty much dedicated to getting that opened, effectively. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's a good hook to, to the end of the episode on, because yet another thing we, we don't know about this island Um and I think it's it's the first, as like you imagine, it's it's this um, deserted island, or at least you know, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. The last thing you would expect is a big metal door. So it's I just think it's a really good hook to to end the episode on. Another mystery to add to the list. Yeah, because I think at this point as well, we're halfway through and we've got pretty much, I think the the base cast all laid out, haven't we? So it's time mm. to really start ramping up the mystery now. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, from a character point of view, from an island point of view, you need something alongside Smokey. So mm-hmm. let's go all for all out, and uh, and that's where we get the end, the mm-hmm. very, the very end. And I do distinctly remember watching that live uh, on Channel Four, and that was definitely a good water cooler moment mm-hmm. at yeah. school. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I say it's. I'm, I'm repeating myself again, but you know, it's 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 really very very intriguing. Um, like, it's it's. Is it obvious? I can't remember it in this episode. Is it obvious? There's like a window on it. Yeah, yeah. Is. When okay. the um, yeah, because it's raining and they wipe away like all the the mud and the leaves. Right. Okay. And you just get you just get like the small window. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Locke just says, "Let's find out what it is," and that's where the ending. Right. Okay. 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 I don't know if they established if they can see through it or if it's like frosted or something. I I guess there might be some. It might be obscured based on what we know is there and Mm because it's covered up deliberately. 
well, it appears to be deliberately covered up. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, def- it's and and then it becomes that fun thing of geography that I've mentioned we've mentioned before, where <laughs> it's it's clearly a lot in this episode. It's clearly quite a fair way away from the main camp, mm-hmm. but then obviously as it progresses, it gets closer and closer, dependent <laughs> on what episode you're in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do like that. I do love that. I've just got a few notes that I've made uh, in terms of the production very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, uh, two new minor characters were created to accompany Locke, but then they scrapped that in favor of adding Boone because obviously that would serve as like a genesis for his upcoming death. So it's pretty. It's pretty. Spoiler alert again. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's a pretty. Um, early on that they decided he was going to die. <laughs> yeah. I thought there was a nice touch in this episode, actually. Um, you know the way Locke is um, tying the, the, the red uh, like bits of fabric around the tree so he can work work his way back in case he gets lost? Yep. Um, Boone starts explaining red shirts. And I was like, that's, that's, that's pretty good foreshadowing if you know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never and, thought about that. Yeah, and how... Um, does he say something along the lines of John wouldn't make a very good captain or something like that um yeah again nice wee bit of foreshadowing i thought it was quite good um because obviously boone's fate is is as it is and when he says that line he's he's got like the strips of fabric of red fabric over his shoulder so it's like (laughs) okay i see what you're doing here don't laugh (laughs) it's quite funny because um uh john um says to Bone that he, he never watched Star Trek and I was like, I'm quite surprised because Locke seems to be like pretty much like the king geek of the island. Like, oh, yeah, he knows like, drive shaft, don't he? he likes, <laughs> yeah, he likes his tabletop war games and things like that. So mm. it's, yeah. Does he, he he does know what it is, doesn't he? Or does he just completely have no idea? I can't remember. He acknowledges it but he said like he never watched Star Trek and Bone seems surprised. And I was like, well it's even more weird that Bone is a Star Trek fan because <laughs> he's like dude bro, lifeguard. <laughs> he loves Captain Kirk and Spark. <laughs> um, and the only other thing that I had was that um, the Hatcher's discovery was meant to be introduced midway through the episode rather than as a cliffhanger. But I think we'll all agree it works much better as a as a tease for what's to come rather yeah. than midway through. I don't think it's something you can really just chuck in. It wouldn't work as well. I don't mm. think. No, they they very much tread this line of um of, of this plot line very very lightly now only cut to it now and again and then you get like later episode you get a bone talking to shannon and shannon's like where, where are you going on i think charlie and jack both ask him where he's been and they don't actually show you too much it's very very no. subtle mm-hmm. i must say as well my, my taking from this is even though it is a key mystery um like you say it's only Fair enough, it's been introduced, but it doesn't really come to the fold until fairly late in the season. And from a from a rewatch perspective, and if you're watching it for the first time, you don't realise how pivotal this is to yeah. the rest of the series. It's just kind of thrown in there, and you're like, oh, this could be a number of things, but you don't really realise how much, especially the show's first season, is going to hang on it. And I think that's a really good bit of storytelling. Mm. And effectively, it changes the dynamic of the of the of the show for the second season. Everything's completely completely because completely. that one little hatch fit. So they have Absolutely. to do it that way, I think, just to you know, because we could have got bored of the hatch at this point if they had done two or three episodes ahead of introducing it. That's it. I mean, your season two has got no um, jumping off point really. 
And for my money, the season two opening is the best opening of the whole show. So oh, without a doubt, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there, <laughs> yeah. as we Sorry. always say. Sorry, I was just looking up on, again, um, Lost, Lostopedia. Sorry. Go on, yep. um, Terry O'Quinn, who plays Locke, was actually, as all actors seem to be, but was in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> he was, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yep. I think he was like an admiral or something. Yeah, that's what it says here. Does he die? Um, <laughs> it doesn't say, but uh, probably... Uh, yeah, thought that was quite he, funny. He's died in a lot of the guest star things that he's been in. Bless him. So. <laughs> oh, great! That's a good bit of trivia there. Mm. Oh, I just I, again, I have a note here. There's a there's a scene in this episode where Walt and Hurley are playing backgammon, and yeah. it oh, reveals yeah. two things that I don't think, in hindsight, uh, it's obvious, but I don't think we'd known by now. Walt always seems to roll whatever the best combination is. So that sort of plays into his specialness a little bit, I think. And uh, Hurley yeah. mentions that he could, that he has money, um, which I thought was quite interesting. Just, just they're just dropped in there. They're not really dwelled upon, but it's just like on a rewatch, you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Actually, that that is a good point because it also serves to when it actually gets to their episodes where it brings all these to the fold. It's not, it's not almost a surprise, I guess. It's not just like, oh, we've made up various things for this particular episode it's yeah. always been there you've mm-hmm. just never noticed it yeah that's really clever though next episode whatever the case may be so this is the 12th episode so we'll do a brief summary of this one but have we did we have any uh special birthday scott uh it was a godfather godfather double act on birthdays okay Robert Duvall and Diane Keaton and Hayao Miyazaki as well. Obviously not in Godfather, but um, you know he's he, yeah he's in he does films. Um, he does. Yeah. Uh, no, that was it. Really, there was, it was quite a light light birthday for the um, this episode, fifth of January. Yeah. Oh, that would have been um, me if it was a day later. That would have been my birthday. Oh well. Oh, there we go then. <laughs> Oh, no, interesting <laughs> fact, though, viewership was the highest to date, 21.59 million. So, um, mm. yeah, so f- f- even though the episode we're going to talk about it wasn't exactly the most um, enlightening or uplifting episode, um, yeah, it was the highest viewership since original air date. Interesting. Right, so this is a Kate-centric episode, and for my money, I'm, I mean, it's not a terrible episode of tv but coming off the back of all uh, the best cowboys have daddy issues and especially you know you got the one two punch before that of solitary and raised by another it's a bit of a letdown um mm. probably up until i can't really probably up until this point for me it's probably my least favorite of the rewatch so far yeah um yeah. personally but it begin the flat we'll go with the flashbacks and i think kate's in mexico or new mexico somewhere um, and she's doing some criminal business, but initially she's working under an alias to rob a bank, I believe. And then yeah. mm-hmm. the three masked men that come in are actually working with her, and she's having a bit of a love affair with one of them. Mm-hmm. She's applying for a loan or something, isn't she, to or posing as yeah. a business owner or a photographer, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's fluttering her, her eyelashes at, at this bank manager, and it's all going great. Um, and then, yeah, and then it all sort of kicks off and she is, I think she's on the ground and then some guy goes for the gun. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and then I think he gets sort of pistol whipped or something. 
and then she gets taken to the back, and then she has smooches with her with her bars or something. Yeah, yeah uh, that's. I mean, the yeah. one. The, yeah, go on, John. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. I mean, that's basically all that happens. Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> pretty at, much. Yeah, at the end, she gets the like. You discover the whole robbery was was to get a safety deposit box. That's um, correct, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> there was there was only two things really from a trivia perspective that I picked up on in these flashbacks. So her aliases that she uses is Maggie. But then there's also Meg and Miss Ryan. So Meg Ryan. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and also the safety deposit box number is 815. Of course it is. Oh, okay. Very good. That is Didn't... literally the only thing I <laughs> from those flashbacks. And it, it was only this time. I didn't read into that. I just noticed it when they got it out. I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but... But it, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that because this is a Lindelof episode, actually, so it stands to reason that that's the kind of thing he'd throw in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go on, Scott. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, does it establish how far back this was before her apprehension by the U.S. Marshal? I'm guessing it, mu- it must have been a considerable amount of time before because she seems to have her shit together, and mm. you know she's planning these sort of these. It's kind of straight into it. I, I can't think. It, specifies a particular day no. again i sorry because i'm always on lots of video on how we're doing these episodes um it has <laughs> it says the flashback takes place in 2002 so that's what that's two years say before the yeah prior occurred. to the crash yeah okay so 2002 she's she's in the middle of her criminal activities career. <laughs> yes yes right well and uh, we should we ju- we should just say that the only thing within the well the contents of said uh, safety deposit box is a single envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe she opens it at this point. Uh, no, in the, so flash- in the flashback, we'll let- yeah, it's, she opens it in the flashback and she sees like the envelope, but we don't get to see what's inside it until beyond that's, island. That's stuff. sorry, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so we've still got a bit of mystery left for us to. Yeah. to find out as we go on. So other than that, that's the flashbacks done. Uh, back to the island. So I've got it down as day 21 uh, since uh, on the island. So three weeks in. And while swimming near the waterfall, you know, getting a bit saucy with Mr. Sawyer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess this is another thing that I just picked up. But um, they go underwater and they find some... Uh, did they find some dead bodies and some of the wreckage? Mm-hmm. Very Lord and of the suitcase. Rings. Yes, very Lord of the Rings. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure um, those underwater scenes were filmed in like a, a pool in LA. Yeah, I don't right. think that was actually. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because they, they had trouble filming in the ocean. So yeah, I they, think it was. It wasn't clear enough. I, I, well, I, I might have read something different. Uh, it was last week or before I read it, but apparently, um, imagine that they struggled to sort of keep a breath under the water. I don't know. It might, be, it might have something to do with the depth of the water. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's that's definitely correct. They filmed it on a like a like a studio or soundstage in yeah in LA. Well, you can tell because the, the I must admit again, this is two thousand and four. I must say, but at the same time, those corpses look so fake. <laughs> <laughs> just, just chilling, just chilling under the water. Like guy um, Fawkes. Yeah, Guy <laughs> Fawkes in a like a in a, in a plane seat. But she she finds the suitcase, 
uh, and doesn't want to tell Sawyer what's inside it. So we're immediately got some very clunky exposition and suspicion going on there. But mm-hmm. he takes it if I'm right in thinking. Yes, it's he very does. weird how they played that out because initially he says, "Oh, um, that's, that's that's not your suitcase, is it?" And she went, "No, you can have it." And then she wants it back straight away. I'm like, why? Why she got to fuck around about it? Just <laughs> say it's mine. I want to keep it. Like, what's he yeah. going to do with it? Nothing. It just seemed a bit odd. Exactly. She's yeah, very bit of, forth about it. Yeah, a bit of contrived tension. And like, like, it's. I found it quite funny in this episode. It's like Tom and Jerry. It's like, okay, Kate's got it, and I saw her stole it back, and then Kate stole it off him again, and Sawyer took it back, and then there's the there's a bit where Sawyer's trying to get the uh, the case open, which was quite funny. I must admit. Okay, I love that. Um, I did love that sequence. Yeah, same. <laughs> she just pops out. She just grabs it. <laughs> but I think I think I think this is why I don't always find Kate a well written character because of little things like that. And it's not to say yeah. that Evangeline Lily's bad. It's just that the writers choose to put really daft things in, and yeah. it just it just waters down the character that she could have been. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Maybe it's a, it's a case of trying to keep some some air of mystery about her at the minute. You know, she's she's very elusive, but it doesn't really ring true. And I say it, it just does seem contrived, just for the sake of making her seem more of a mystery than maybe she is at the minute. You know, that that sort of goes along mm-hmm. with the, the flashback a wee bit for me as well. It's like it wasn't really a surprise that kids in on it, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. And also, it, it it feels like it's just something to push the plot along. Like, the writers almost thought, yeah, people will realise that we're not quite sure how to get from A to B. We've got this middle section, but we'll just do these little bits. Every every show does it, but mm. it's just frustrating, that's all. Oh, uh, So we get to a bit of Shannon and Boone, I believe. Mm-hmm. And this is what we've just mentioned in the prior episode is She's asking Boone what her and John are up to, Mr. Locke, in the, every day when they go to the jungle. He says they're looking for Claire, um, but also they're not finding any food, if I'm right in thinking. The boars are drying up, if I think is what's what's said. Their excuse is that the, the boars are going elsewhere because they know they're getting hunted. Yeah, I think Locke says that to Jack, at least in some regard as well. Yeah, you know, they're, they're adapting because they know there's a hunter, so they're... But I think Bones yeah. is it in a more sort of um, less eloquent way. Yep. And then I've got something written here as well. I've, I've put it's very 90210. <laughs> um, Boone gets upset and uh, calls Shannon useless. Yeah, I've got it written down. Line <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of one of the moments where I was like, do you know what? I like Boone at this moment. Yeah. Because, but that's what I've just got. It was very 90210. Well, she was like fucking teasing him because he was hanging out with Locke, and I, you know, I thought I'm such an arsehole because she's just sitting there just tanning all the time. <laughs> but then, ironically, after this, I mean, you probably got note down it, but um, we get the first interaction, for proper interaction between Saeed and Shannon, mm-hmm. which yep. starts this whole uh, relationship. Yeah. So she's not going to be useless, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was she quite- has a reason. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, um, like when when Saeed's asking her to to translate the thing, and I, I can't remember how how it works, how, how she works her way around to this, but she was like, "Yeah, I remember a song from Finding Nemo." I was like, "All right, <laughs> that's it." <laughs> <laughs> what was Lindelof thinking? 
I've got her line here, like her dialogue, like her response when she says, oh, I saw a cartoon about fish, one of the computer ones. That's exactly what I'm <laughs> Oh, one good of, God. One of the computer ones. <laughs> oh, I've seen a film about a tie, one of the computer ones as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's something like a 60-year-old with bloody son. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think my like my grandparents would say that. They'd say animated. They'd just say a cartoon, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't they? But it's just a yeah, cartoon from the computer. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's very clunky. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we get like you've said, we get the beginnings of Said and Shannon, which always felt very forced to me. Um, it felt like the the show was trying to pitch another romance in there, aside from the year. Uh, your Jack Sawyer and Kate love triangle. Mm. Um, it's it just... pretty ill judged to me because of the fact yeah. that we learnt, what we learned about Saeed and what happened to, um, forgive me, I can't remember her name. Um, Nadia? Nadia. Yes. And, and when he goes through talking to Russo about her, and then a few episodes later on, he wants to bump uglies with uh, <laughs> Shannon. Know, Shannon, like useless Shannon. It's just. Okay, we get it. There's a point to it that he wants to obviously utilize her French speaking skills. But even though. <laughs> <Vavavoom>. <laughs> however, it's quite obvious that they're pushing the romance because they keep doing the googly eyes. And it's obvious. That's, it, that's it. So so it's not. For me, when Naveen Andrews enters the fold speaking to her, it's not even like. Just obviously how he's been told to play that character, but he doesn't even just go in and say hello, you know, and they have a a conversation like, I don't know, Hurley and Claire might. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, mm. It's or or Jack and Claire or someone. It's instantly like, I know what's going on here. I know what they're trying to go for. He's like got that that you know, that side eye look and he's doing his hair almost and you just think, No, 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 this <laughs> is also... too full on. I think Bone, the camera goes to Bone for a reaction shot, so it's even given more <laughs> like ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, oh, this, ne- this next episode is going to be brilliant to talk about. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I cannot wait. I really can't. Uh, we've got that romance established slightly. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh... <laughs> I, I'm just looking at my notes. I haven't got much more written down apart from Kate goes into Sawyer's tent whilst he's sleeping to try and get the case. He wakes up. They have a bit of a struggle. He's a bit flirty with her again. Mm. Uh, refuses to give her the case and such. Mm-hmm. There's there's some uh, there's some nice stuff with uh, Rose and Charlie. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah, is that this episode where they just sit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Charlie yeah. cries and it, it set me off. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's 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 quite nice. Like uh, I think it ends with them all sitting around like the campfire, and she's like she's saying a prayer for Charlie, and it's it, it's just a it's a really quite nice scene because Charlie's mm. just really downtrodden, and and yeah, he's not having the best time at the minute, and yeah, I could like I know what you mean about nearly setting you off. It's it's a really good, really really good scene, and I'm always happy when Rose turns up. Um, she could sort of be a very cliched character. Um, but I think she she plays it really well. I can't remember the, the actress's name actually, but um, yeah, it's very well done. She's kind of like the mother hen, isn't she? At this point, yeah, yeah. Even though even though she's a bit, you know, she's not speaking much, but whenever she turns up, it, she's always so wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but, I love I love uh, Rose. I think she um yeah. I think she's only had like three or four speaking scenes, but they're all yeah. quite important moments for characters. Yeah, and again, I think we've said this before in some of the more lesser liked episodes, shall we say, there's it's always littered with good moments, but it feels like to me the writers wanted well not that they could have done more with those moments but they had those moments ready they knew what they wanted to do with them but they just needed to put it in an episode and base it around something and they couldn't necessarily write well for that if that makes sense yeah no i I would say so so. yeah because like the the revelation at the end is pretty unsatisfying because you find out what was in the um the safety deposit box in, in the envelope and it's a plane and that means nothing. Like like everything else has had a resolution that you sort of understand yeah. how they got there. This is just, it's not even a resolution. It's just, again, another question for another episode. So it overall, it just feels very unsatisfying. Yeah, Lindell off again. <laughs> when when Seriously though, I, I do like, I don't really like him as a writer, but sometimes, like all good writers, he just gives in to his own tendencies sometimes. And I don't even think he realizes how, like you say, he's not really resolved. He's not really done an episode here. It's just images that don't really come together in any form. Yeah. And like you say, it means absolutely squat. Mm. Why why should we care? Just to the point that we're talking about positives in regards to like the side plot or like just moments which are irrelevant to the central plot. Just says it all. Like he clearly. Like those moments are better than the actual main plot of the story. So it just it just shows a bit of a. Of course, he was cutting his teeth in writing, I guess, at this point. But it just shows a yeah. bit of an experience. But obviously, that mm. that improves. Of I think I, th- I think he's he's great with characters. I think he he really knows how to write characters. So that stands to reason with the um with the side plots and these little individual moments. Definitely. But as an overall arc plotter, at the, like you say, at this point, perhaps he's not quite got it yet. I think obviously as he goes through his career, he gets a lot better. Um, and I don't blame him for Prometheus either because that wasn't his fault. Um, <laughs> just whilst I'm thinking about it. Because um, that film angers me so much. So other than that, um, I don't really know what else there is. Do we? What's our thoughts on Jack's involvement with the Kate thing? Because I quite like the way that Jack... Initially, he's like helps he helps Kate. He goes to uh, Sawyer and he's like, right, give, give me the... Give me the uh, the case or something mm-hmm. and so obviously mocks him and says are oh, you getting her to do your dirty work for you but then um it ends up in kate trying to hide the key from jack in the which is in the wallet of the Mar- marshal yeah yeah and he calls her out and says ah oh, you know a nice little sleight of hand trick and yeah. he's pissed and i thought okay oh yeah, yeah. actually like yeah that's... you're right that was the only interesting part of that plot that I thought was was, was there. Was, yeah. was and you know why, don't you? Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. He's back. I, I must admit, I, I quite liked it because you know how normally in the, in the triangle of that whole dynamic, it's normally Jack's quite central and obviously Kate, but then Sawyer sometimes takes a back seat. This time around, it's Kate and Sawyer are quite central and Jack comes in every now and then. Mm. Um, and I think that quite works. Uh, that works quite well. Yeah, because it's not... Um... It's kind of like the, the reverse of, of what we normally of what we used to. But yeah. then when Sawyer but comes gr- in, 
he kind of yeah. shakes the, he shakes it up a bit and he makes things a bit more interesting. And this is what happens with Jack in this episode. I agree. No, anything with Matthew Fox is is valid and um, definitely shakes up. Because if I'm right, he's quite dismissive of her. She starts crying and he's like, yeah, screw you. I'm walking away. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. So- because he obviously trusts her and he's entrusted her with you know, what he's told her and revealed to her. And he thought that she would be the same. And she's shown some of her truer colours, being a bit of a being a bit of a snidey liar. Where do we get to oh yeah, and I guess the nice little uh bit at the end, bar the toy plane which makes zero sense, is uh, Rose and Charlie together because she still believes Bernard's alive, which mm. obviously later on down the line he is, but uh Charlie prays with her if I'm right. And now I'm not a religious man but you know, it's a very lovely moment I think. It's a very tender moment because obviously he's he's in withdrawals and he's lost mm-hmm. his closest confidant on the island at this point, who, who he clearly does have a thing for, and he's feeling a lot of guilt and blame. And it's just a lovely moment that even if he's not that way inclined, that Rose is there for him in that capacity. It just yeah. it was just lovely, really. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, it's a much more uh, it has much more of an impact uh, that scene than. Said making Google as it's Shannon, you know, they're all <laughs> it does that god, yes, that, uh, long shot of the beach and passes all the different like couple or not couples but everybody sitting together. And, and you have that it starts off with Charlie and then it goes to um, Said and Shannon. It's just like, mm, yes, she might be singing under the sea, but this uh, doesn't really work for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> from, from that computer fish movie, um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, it's a very nice scene. It, it, it is very effective. I think no matter what your belief system, I think it's quite, it, it's just a nice scene. It's a, poignant, it's a poignant moment, and it's just nice to, to know that Lost, with whatever you think of the show, it does have these moments of uh, yeah. of nice mo- uh, nice moments. Yeah. But with that, I think that's about it, really. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I just had one more note. Um, it's, it's go about- for it. The very start of the episode, whenever they, uh, Kate and Sawyer, go swimming. Sawyer goes swimming with his jeans on, and it bugged me for the entire episode. <laughs> like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because obviously Evangeline Lily keeps a top on, but not a lower half. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, I suppose that too. But also, Sawyer is the type of person that he's, he's actually he's even done it in the series before. He's just goes for it a has, swim. Yeah. It's like okay. Yeah, <laughs> because she, she's. He walks out of the ocean, doesn't he? And yeah. she's Kate's, Kate's looking at him and he's like, oh, hey, Freckles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Sawyer. Yeah, more narrative inconsistencies. <laughs> anyway, there's a few of them, let's be honest. <laughs> All right, so ne- next week we'll be doing uh, Hearts and Minds and Special, which are episode 13 and 14 of season one. And uh, we have, unfortunately, a Boone episode in episode 13. <laughs> And episode 14, I believe, is Mr. Michael and his son, Walt. So we will have a lot of fun things to say about this, I believe. This is this is everything this podcast has been building to. <laughs> this is Batman As we are... Superman, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> this is, ba- well, you know I like that film, but yes, Batman vs. <laughs> Superman. Hey, there we go. That ultimate cut. <laughs> so with that, we'll say goodbye.